fun just to look back over a few highlights and look at a year and go, man, what a, what a great thing has happened since 1962. How many guys were not born yet in 1962? Okay, let me say that louder because if you were born before 1962, you probably didn't hear me. I saw you, coach, sorry. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, guys. We've been talking about it for the last four weeks, but it talks about a vision where, where there's no vision where there's no God-given revelation, where there's no agreed-upon unified course for people to take, it's easy just to kind of go that way. There's, there's a difference between running 26.2 miles in a marathon uh, on roads and hills and trees and, you know, uh, different things. Dina and I used to run the Disney Marathon, and, and, you know, you go from theme park to theme park. You start in Epcot, go to Magic Kingdom, over to Animal Kingdom, down to the... Oh, the MGM Studios, where it's called now, Disney Studios, and then back to Epcot. You finish under the giant golf ball with a 300-voice choir singing the Hallelujah Chorus, right? It's different doing that than it is running on a treadmill where you start in one place, you put the same amount of effort into it, but you go nowhere. And I think what God's saying is this. The thing that makes the difference between a treadmill-type existence with Christ and a a marathon-type existence corporately is this vision. Where are we going? What's the next theme park we're going to hit? What's the next direction we're going towards? And it all starts basically with just a dream. Uh, God has given us this beautiful superpower to change the world by envisioning it differently tomorrow than it is today. And when that dream is, is... uh, you know, put in the hearts of his people. How many of you guys know it can't just be a dream? It should be God's dream. But when God's dream is in our heart, everything's possible. Nehemiah saw a bunch of rubble and burned gates, but he didn't see the rubble and burned gates. He saw a city that was standing strong that had been rebuilt by just the grace of God and the labor of people that came together in unity. Moses looked at a nation of slaves, but he didn't see slaves when he looked at them. He saw a nation that was free and, and living in a land that flows with milk and honey. Um, David saw a giant, but he didn't see a giant. He actually prophesied to the giant, this day I'll give your carcass, your dead body, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. This day I'm gonna cut off your big old ugly head. I did paraphrase just a little bit in there. And I'm going to hold it up so the whole world knows there's a God in Israel that uses shepherd boys to destroy giants. I mean, this, these are all dreams. Jesus, looking at you and looking at the future, it's a dream. It's something that he hopes. It's something he thinks. It's something he can envision, something he took action on because if he didn't, something was unthinkable was going to happen. 1962, a group of people gathered in the Odd Fellows Hall, and they started a church. It was a dream. It was invisible. It was impossible. It was intangible. And yet they had a dream. How many of you guys know a dream will make you do some pretty crazy stuff? In, in 1986, they moved to this property. This property used to be a, uh, oh, anybody know the history of this property? He does. Anybody else know the, the history of the property? The history of this property is very simple. They used to burn crosses, the KKK, up on the hill. Um, it used to be kind of a gravel pit. If you were here in the 60s and 70s, you probably got filled with the spirit on this property. It was a distilled spirit, but yet they were filled. My aunt told me one time, uh, before she kind of lost her memory to Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, she said, oh, I know where your church is. Your mother and I used to take our boyfriends on that hill, and we used to like, stop, stop. <laughs> I pray on that hill, Aunt Janet. Don't make me think about that. I, I don't want to have deliverance while I'm praying for the, the lost, you know. But they moved here. In 1995, I think one of the greatest leaps of faith that you can take as a congregation, they invited new people to come and serve. And we were kids. I mean, I, I know that I'm, I'm in my 50s now, 
But I look back at kids that are like in their 20s, I go, what were you thinking? Why would you bring someone with no senior pastoring experience? I remember, and John, you'll validate this, we were looking out the windows of an educational wing across the street where I realized how much property there was, and that the high school was right across the street. There were plans for a future middle school, and I, said, I just turned to him and said, John, he was the chairman of the public committee, like, I, I think you might be making a mistake. I, I, don't, I don't mean to like disqualify myself, I'm not being falsely modest, but you don't need to hire someone that's never done this before, that's only been, and I don't mean only, but I have no senior pastoring experience, my, my experience is all in youth ministry, like you can hire somebody, this is a real opportunity, and I would counsel you to find somebody else, and he just patted me on the shoulder, nodded his head, and said, I think we're doing okay, why don't you just let the process work out, and we'll see what God says, but that was a huge step of faith, and then from 95 to 2000, the church grew from one service, and then we had two services, and then we did this brilliant thing where we said, let's do a, a third service, and we'll do it on Saturday night in the summertime. Because attendance was so good at Easter, certainly people want to come back from up north on Saturday to be a part of a church service. They can't make it to it on Sunday. It was, it was how many guys know you shouldn't put 29-year-olds in charge of much? So it's your fault, not mine. Doing the best I could. And then we built this place. It was three times the seating capacity. And I remember seeing when they first dug the foundations of this field, and I walked around it and went, oh, we've, we've made it too small. This isn't big enough. It's not much bigger than our existing thing. We're going to spend over a million dollars building something that's not going to meet our need. These people are going to fire me. And then I happened to have like a, a break, so I went away for a week. I you know, stayed with Grandma and stuff. I came back, and they'd erected all the steel in this building. You ever seen the difference between a foundation and when the steel's erected? It's a completely different building. It was too small when I left, and they're going to fire me. I came back, and I saw the size of this place, and I went, we built it too big. They're going to fire me. We can't fill this place. It'll always be empty. We've made a terrible mistake. Dean, I said, babe, take the kids home. Put them in bed. I just, I just need to go pray. And I walked, literally, but it was a dirt floor. It was just steel, and I walked the, the, the surroundings just saying, God, don't, don't let me destroy what you're building. Don't let me mess up. If this is my ambition or my pride or I'm following some example of some other person's success, like, forgive me, but this thing is, I mean, please, please let it be half full. On the very first Sunday, it was completely full. And within a year, we had to go to double services. And within another year, we had to go to triple services. And then we started planting churches. And I really don't know how many churches we planted and parented and partnered. I should count that up sometime. But we just, we started sending people. You should go to, you know, you know it'd be great is if you, you didn't drive through Linden, but you stopped there and went to church there in Linden. Pastor Pat and Teresa Brady and, you know, the Freedom Center North and the family room in Milledgeville and the, the Promise in Idaho. And let's just, let's just start building up the body of Christ and it's been a great mechanism to do that. And then we expanded again in 2011 to what we currently see. And it, it's, it's this amazing leap of faith. How many of you guys know we have the ability to dream dreams? We have this ability that, that God has entrusted us with, the problems only he could see, opportunities only he could know, and courage only he could give. Because if it was up to me, we wouldn't do any of it. I've heard people say this, and it's kind of funny, because I, I get they're saying, well, all you want is to be the pastor of a big church. And I always come back and say, yeah, because more of you makes my life better. <laughs> How many children do you have? I'm just curious. And you love them all. But it, it, isn't, it, isn't a, it isn't a quest for ego. It's a quest to win the lost at any cost that doesn't cost us our beliefs, to continue to reach people that need Jesus. It all starts with what I call a God dream, this infused piece of his heart. It can be a broken heart. It can be an excited heart. It's just something only you see. It's kind of funny. Sometimes you know the difference between a God dream and a man dream. A man dream, you say, I've got this dream. I want to be a millionaire. And people nod their heads and go, oh, that's nice. A God dream is like, I, I want to give up a million dollars and go to Zimbabwe land and, and you know, live amongst tribal people. They go, that's a stupid dream. How many of us know that sometimes God's dreams don't match man's dreams? 
And, and we look silly for believing them. We look silly for entrusting a 29-year-old. We look silly for starting a church in a community that didn't want another church in the Oddfellows Hall. Pastor Burke used to stand up, and he was, I don't know if you ever heard him preach, but he preached hellfire and brimstone. When he was preaching, all the trees within a quarter-mile radius lost bark on one side, man. It was just flame. It was just fire. And he would get up there, and I, I was corrected. I had the wrong number. It was, it was eight people and 16 hymnals, 17 hymnals. So tell me, John, from the back, how many people in hymnals? Eight people and 13 hymnals. How many of you guys know when you plant a church? That's faith to have 13 hymnals. There's another five people that belong in this church. And we go to double services on our hymnals and we share. Come on. It's growing already, right? But it all starts with this God dream that we begin to connect with. And I want you to know something, guys. Um, it, it's not just a God dream. It's a God dream that's contagious. Because every dream that I believe is not my dream. We, we sponsor three Compassion International kids. Why? Because a man had a great dream of, of reaching kids that were at high risk in the world and feeding them and educating them and giving them the gospel. It's not my dream, but I joined his dream because it's a good dream. Somebody say amen. Convoy of Hope, these 880,000 meals we fed to kids in Haiti, that, that wasn't my dream. I didn't facilitate that. That was somebody else's dream. Hal Donaldson, who's going to be with us this fall, he's going to be probably one of the most special guest speakers we've ever had. The founder of Convoy of Hope is coming here on a Sunday and a Thursday night. He doesn't know that yet, so pray about that one. But Thursday night and Sunday, he's coming here to preach and share the gospel and share the story of building from a back of a pickup truck to now fleets of trucks on, on par with the Red Cross and United Way. But the difference is it's all centered on Jesus the King. It isn't just centered on giving somebody a meal. It's giving somebody a meal in Jesus' name. And it is growing and exploding all over the world. It's incredible what they're doing. But it's not, that dream wasn't my dream. It's Hal's dream. But when Hal shared his dream, how many guys know you want to be a part of big dreams? I mean, to be elected today as a president, you got to say hope and change. You got to say make America great again. You got to say words that paint a picture that have no details because they'd never elect you and you found out how hard it is to do it. But, but it, you got to have a dream. When Martin Luther King stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and said, I have a dream, how many of you guys know? He didn't have a plan. But a nation said, I share that dream. And people lived for it, and people died for it, and people gave towards it, and people prayed for it, and people got on buses, and people sat at the counter knowing they'd be arrested, and people moved from the back of the bus to the front of the bus because they recognized that his dream was the right dream. It doesn't have to be your dream for it to be your dream. Most of the dreams I participate in are not my dream. There's somebody else's, but so, there's something contagious about a God dream that makes people want to join that. Um, let me add to that statement. It, it all starts with a God dream that's contagious, but it also has to be owned by people, people that, that understand cost, people that understand obedience, people that understand the need for generosity. There comes a time, and I've already said it, that we have to go from talking about dreams to actually doing something about our dreams. Dreams will do one of two things. They'll stay inside of us and grow cold, or we'll put action in them. We'll put fuel on that fire, and we'll begin to live a dream. I, I live every day as much as I can on the promises that God has made me that coincide with the dreams that God has given me. It's a passionate way to live. It's, it's a purposeful way to live. For the last three weeks, we've been sharing with you our dream about local and global and future and next gen. And I want you to know that you're like, man, these dreams are pretty big. Imagine being in the Oddfellows Hall 62 years ago when the dream was first pronounced that there's going to be a soul-winning, gospel-preaching, spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, multiplying church in a city that was mostly known for its bar fights in the street. How many of you guys been around Fenton long enough to remember that? Good friend of mine, right downtown in Fenton, got into a fight. They went out, fell out in the street. You weren't allowed to fight in the bar. That costs money. You can beat anybody up in the street. It's free. 
They were out there beating each other up. He was winning the fight. The guy put him in a headlock. He reached over, grabbed his nose, and bit his nose off his face in a bar fight in Fenton. That's what Fenton was known for. You're like, no, it's known for the laundry and large sandwiches. Not back in the day, baby. Back in the day, it was not known for large sandwiches. It was known for large brawls in the dirt streets of Fenton. So here's a question we're all going to have to ask. What do we need to do to move this dream forward? It starts with faith. You've got to see things that are invisible. We have to see things that are invisible. We have to believe things that are impossible. We have to go after things that are not yet as if they were. So this is the year, guys. This is the year we're going to send teams out of this place to struggling ministries. You say, well, how, how is that going to work? Here's my answer. I have no idea, but it's going to work. Shouldn't we have a plan? Yes, we should. And at some point, Dina will tell me what that plan is. <laughs> my part is not manufacturing and logistics. My part is sales. My part is to hear God say, this is what I want done. And then I go to a very capable team and say, now go do what God said. Or like, you'll be disobedient. You'll be in big trouble with God. Amen. So they figure it out. Well, when does the team meeting start? How will we be trained? What's the criteria? Is there a manifesto for this? Is there a document that calls it? I have no idea, but I know this. In 2020, we're going to send multiple teams to multiple places to help churches that are struggling, and they just need one, one more part, one more dollar, one more prayer, one more person, one more teacher, one more Sunday to hit that critical mass. I was just with a friend of mine I told you about a couple weeks ago, Tommy Matuzo, up in Cadillac. I had a, a, a breakfast the other day in Traverse City for people that wanted to plant churches, and Tommy walked in the door. I said, what are you doing here, man? He goes, I, I, we're at two services. We don't have like our, our capacity up north. We can't have three services. It's time for Cadillac to begin to think about how we're going to expand by planting new churches in the surrounding areas. That happened because of a revitalization team that went there for one week. How many of you guys know the things we do for vacation and fun can change a community? It's incredible the potential we have. This is the year to help plant 11 new churches all over the state of Michigan. We have people wanting to plant churches in Detroit. I'm like, God bless you. Let me know how that goes. People want to plant churches in inner city Flint. I'm like, man, that, that is some hard ground. But there are people that own real estate. They're in the business community. They're getting their credentials. They're meeting with regularly. They have a dream to reach a city. And what I love is they've already reached so many of the young men mentoring them out of poverty into entrepreneurialism. This, this church is going to be like no other church in the city of Flint. And it's going to happen in 2020. I'm excited about um, what's going to be happening with our kids' auditorium. Our kids are going to sit around tables. They're going to talk to each other, being led by parents that know their names. We're going to have people um, sending kids to camp more than we've ever done before, sending people on missions trips. And if you, again, I'll say, if you've never been on a missions trip, you don't have an excuse. I just talked to a friend of mine who from time to time we have to call an ambulance for Comes to church faithfully, but occasionally it's just too much for him. He turns gray, has a mini stroke. We have to send him in an ambulance. He told me sitting right over there the other day, he said, here's the deal, man. I'm going on a missions trip in 2020. I thought it better be a medical missions trip. I said, what makes you say that? God told me I'm supposed to go. Now, how many of you guys know you don't look at a twice-decorated Vietnam combat veteran and tell him no? That man's my hero. If he's going on a missions trip, I'm going to send him. I'm not going, but I'm going to send him. And hear all about it when he gets back, right? So there's faith. And here's the question about faith is if it's a corporate faith, I don't think you should do everything, but I got to ask you, what's the one thing as we've talked for the last three weeks that your heart kind of leapt a little bit? Like I would, I would be involved in the teachers. I'd be involved in that building project. I don't need money, but I know how to swing a hammer. I'd be involved in that prayer initiative. I'd be, I'd be involved in the schools. 
I'd be involved in a Revite team. I'd want to be a part of a church plant. I think I might want to lead a church plant. I, maybe the 11 needs to be 12 and not just 11. Maybe there's one more in me that, that God's just going to start expressing through me. Maybe I should be involved with, with uh, you know, the projects that, that, that go into the inner city and the projects that go into the public schools and the projects. I don't think you know who's in this room right now, guys, but missionaries to our public schools are sitting right there. He's sitting right there. And he'd love to have you come be a part of it. If you've got a burden for kids, then 2020 is the year to take a day off of work and change a kid's life. We have so many opportunities waiting for us. And so you've got to ask that question. What part of this belongs to me? What, what part of this is mine? And you may say, uh, none of it really. Then I would say this. I don't think that excludes you from the dream. I think maybe your big idea is to help people with big ideas. Maybe your dream is to connect to somebody else's dream. Maybe it's time for you to get a dream of your own and let us know what it is so we can help you accomplish what God's put in your heart. Come on, somebody say amen. That nine-to-five, drone-like, slave-like, machine-like existence will kill your soul. You need things that require F-A-I-T-H. If you don't have faith operating in your life, without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to do what? The beginning part of pleasing God is trusting God. And by the way, it should be something that, that you have to question his trustworthiness about. Will he come through or will he not come through? It's a wonderful way to live. Second thing is this, so it's obedience. It's obedience. Think, think about this. What, what are you willing to do to see this dream of the future, this dream that, that's just in its foundational stages, these dreams that haven't yet been dreamed because this generation doesn't know to dream the dreams. When I first got here, we talked about satellite campuses and LED walls and the internet. How many of you guys remember back when the internet took 18 minutes just to load one picture and you were disappointed because it was the same cat hanging off the same limb that said, hang in there, baby. Like, what? Why do I wait 18 minutes of hearing shipang, shipang, click, click, shipang, shipang, and you're watching it load line by line and then you realize about halfway through, it's that stupid cat meme again. We could have never dreamed of what we're doing today. I'm telling you, everything we're living today was a dream yesterday. And everything we're going to live tomorrow is a dream today. And there are dreams that have not yet been dreamed. But you are amongst a dreaming people. You're amongst the people who have dreamed great dreams and seen them come to pass. We don't know how to manage because in our hands is the ability to pioneer. And so we're going to pioneer things. Think about this, guys. God's church, it's always advanced at the speed of generosity and obedience. Those who would go, those who would send, those who'd believe, those who'd pray, those who had the courage to do it. You know, our founders moved in great faith. Somebody say amen. We gotta honor those guys. And I mean all of those guys, not just the Burks, but everybody that's been here from the beginning. We gotta honor them. We owe them a great debt. We are drinking from the wells they gave everything to dig. Our lives are so much easier now because of what they've done for us. Our potential is so much greater now because of what they've done for us. We stand on the shoulders of giants. But I believe there's giants in this room. You just don't know it yet. Maybe as a generation, we're a giant. We just don't see it yet. Maybe as a family, you're a giant. You just don't see it yet. I look at the people that God's given us. I look at people like Jason McKay, who's going to hate that I'm about to say this. But Jason gave up a family business. Literally, when Jesus shows up and the fishermen are there, they're there with their father, they're there with their brothers, they're there with their partners. Jesus shows up, just follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They left their nets. They left their daddy. They left their friends. They, and they just followed Jesus. That's Jason McKay. He didn't do it for the money or the fame because there was neither of those and still very little of either. 
Most of you just said, Jason who? Does he own the hardware store in Holly? No. I think of people like Jeff Waltz, who 22 years ago took a $50,000 a year cut in pay to help us build our first building and count all the dollars and cents. How many guys know there's some things a man's supposed to do and a thing a man's not supposed to do? I am not supposed to sit in a small room with long columns of numbers. That, that for me was both math and punishment. I don't, math to me is like, when you say like scourging, beating, math, these are all synonyms in my soul. For me to sit there, because it was long before there were Excel spreadsheets, there was green paper with lines on it. How many guys remember the green paper with lines on it? Bob, you still use the green paper with lines. I was like, I like green paper. See, that's, that's your gift, man. And you got other gifts besides that. That's not my gift. I would get like the third column and go, it seems right to me, and hand it back to the contractor. But Jeff sat on this place every day, every day, every day. Is that how many boards, how much length of pipe? Hey, that didn't get delivered. We're not paying for that. Hey, that didn't get done well. He had a heart attack and had a triple bypass in the middle of it. And I remember with like, like cords or the, the, the stuff to put his sternum back together, the wire mesh or whatever, I caught him on a ladder looking in the crow's nest to make sure they made the crow's nest the right size. No one even cares about the crow's nest. There's only eight people that go to the crow's nest and they're all nerds. But Jeff's on a ladder. I said, you fall off that thing, you're going to die. He said, then I'm going to die because this building belongs to Jesus and we got to make sure it's built right. 22 years times $50,000 is $1.1 million he gave up to work here for the last 22 years. That's the depth of commitment of the team that we have right now. My son was counting somebody else's money in a cubicle and he's good at it. He was offered a job starting pay before bonuses and benefits and travel, $100,000. And Josh said, you know, I'd I'd like to do that, but I really feel like God's calling me back to serve in in the online church thing. We've got to pioneer this. Um, I I just, I see it. And he called him like once a month for the next six months. But are you sure? Hey, how's it going? Hey, your dad's kind of a jerk. He goes to church here, so that's funny. You know, and and are you sure? Are you making a living? I mean, why why don't you do it part-time and just kind of work your way toward it? And Josh just kept saying, no, no, I'm called to this. I'm called to this. I'm called to this. J.D., there isn't a soul in Genesee County, Oakland County, and Shiawassee County that doesn't know my son, J.D. Everybody knows J.D. Very few people like him, but everybody knows my son, J.D. He's... People said, you need to run for public office. Hey, would you do this business thing? Hey, would you be my, my social media? Hey, would you do it? Hey, we're starting a business. Would you be a partner with us? And J.D. kept saying, I, there's something else God has for me. Something else God has for me. And about a year and a half ago, God spoke to him and said, you're supposed to be the youth pastor of this church. He gave up hundreds of thousands of dollars to serve this church and this community. And you think that's great? Let me tell you something else. Can I just brag on my family for a second? You guys okay with this? I want my family. I mean the staff. I mean Pastor Les, who gave up a career with cars.com. He kept, he's a negotiator. Well, I need this much money to make a living. We said, well, one of the things you have to do to be in ministry is have, you know, faith. So, and we, we don't have that much faith to pay you that. So you're going to have faith to live off of that. And he said, no, I, I came back. Let me talk to Dina. Let me talk to Jeff. Let me talk to you. Let me, let me take it to lunch. Let me schmooze. Let me offer. But if you act today, I'm going to give you Ginsu knives. They cut, they chop, they make julienne fries. You need to hire me for this much money. We kept saying, this is the money we have. I'm sorry. He said, I got four kids. I know, this, that's your problem. I, I didn't make those babies. I ain't got to pay for them babies. That's your babies, so this is what we pay. And finally, God just spoke to him. How many of you guys know sometimes the last pass, the last test we have to pass is the one where we just trust God no matter what the numbers say? And now he's been here for how many years? Long time, loving our babies. I think my greatest one, and I, I, again, I don't mean to 
This is about Jesus. Somebody say amen. Years ago, my wife was very sick and she was hospitalized and they're, they're pulling organs out because it might be this organ and then the symptoms came back in and out of the hospital. Just when you don't know if you're living or you're dying and every pain feels like you're dying and there's a lot of pain, it just, it just wore down on her soul to a place where I just, I wasn't really ever sure we we're gonna get her back. Even if she lived, I wasn't sure we were ever gonna get her soul back to the place that, that it used to be. You know what I mean? And I, I remember it was, those things happen, it seems like on Mondays or on Fridays, or, but this one was on a Saturday night. I took her to the hospital. They said, we have to admit her. She's very sick. We don't know what's going on. We're gonna have to run a bunch of tests. It's Sunday, so the doctors won't be in, many of them, until Monday. Uh, or, you know, it's, it's a golfing day, it's a whatever. So we were trying to get some help. And I said, babe, I'm, I'm just gonna call one of the staff guys and have them preach Sunday. I, they, they'll have tonight to prepare. They'll be ready by the morning. And she said, no, no, no. There are people coming to the church tomorrow. They're inviting their unsaved friends and family members. She knew of these stories. They're coming because they want them to give their life to Jesus and they want you to be the one that leads them to Jesus. So I'm like, babe, that's good for them. But I'm not gonna present them to Jesus as the totality or the first primary work of my life. I'm gonna present you, my bride, as, as a finished work in Christ. That's, I'm supposed to wash you with water. I'm supposed to lay down my life for you. And, and they will always come as a distant second to you. She said, not my life, baby. Either get your butt back in the car, get some rest. You're gonna go preach. And I just, I'm fighting her. No, how many guys know you can, fighting with a sick woman in the hospital bed is a losing battle. So I fought her back and forth. But I don't want to, okay, you just don't worry about it. So I, I played the, you don't worry about it. I got this card, which means I'm gonna do what I wanna do. But she's been married to me long enough to know that's what I meant. She said, come here. She took me by the hand, sat me down. She said, I want to say something to you. So I sat in her hospital bed. She said, she pulled me in. And she just, how many guys know sometimes when somebody whispers, it's better than shouting. She said, tomorrow, you're going to wake up and you're going to go to that church early and you're going to pray. You're going to study your message over and over and over again. You're going to forget about the snow that's not plowed, the grass that's not mowed, the bathrooms that are backed up. Let somebody else handle that. But tomorrow, you're going to preach the gospel to everyone who gathers and people are going to get saved and I start to stop this is not a discussion this is not a debate this is a command wives submit to your husbands whatever you know this is, I'll never forget these words she said go cut off the giant go kill the giant cut off its head and you bring it to me <laughs> yes ma'am preached the gospel. People got saved. I walked off the platform, got right in my running car, went back and told her all about the people that gave their life to Jesus that day. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to brag about our staff. I'm simply trying to tell you this. There are people that are committed at such a ridiculously high level to what we're doing and the direction we're going and the vision we have. We talk about winning the loss. Everybody gets excited, but at any cost, we go, uh, what's the cost? Well, let's not ask what the cost. Let's ask what the value of a lost soul is to God. Because once you realize the value of a son, the value of a daughter, the cost becomes secondary. And I'm asking you, in, the, in this week, as you leave today, there's going to be these booklets that talk about these various things we've talked about. There's more detail. There's more words. There's pictures. There's numbers. And we're not going to ask you to do anything right now because we don't, wanna, we don't want you to do anything reluctantly or compulsively or emotionally. We want you to talk to your creator and ask him, what part of this am I supposed to believe? What part of this am I supposed to join to? What part of this am I supposed to partner with? Those books will be given to you as you leave. Am I saying that right, babe? That's the, the plan. They'll be given to them as you leave today. There's a card in there. That card is, is the pin on the grenade. Once that card is filled out, 
with your commitment that you believe. You've spoken to God. You've spoken to your family. It's not a knee jerk. It's not an emotion. Once that card is filled out, next Sunday we're going to do something we've done twice in 25 years, and that's this. We're going to ask for every person in this room next week, whether it's Thursday night or Sunday morning, to write something on that card that they believe. It can be, I believe this isn't my year to be involved. It can be, I believe you guys are friggin' nuts. It can be, I believe that God wants me to to sell a piece of property up north and give all the money to to help teachers. It can be, I believe I'm supposed to go from 10% giving to 11% giving, that extra percent. It can be a $200 a month commitment. It can be, I I believe I'm supposed to pray. I believe I'm supposed to fast six days a week or whatever. Whatever you believe, but you're going to write it on that card. You're going to bring it forward as an entire congregation. Again, third time in 25 years, we're going to walk forward and we're going to say this. This is what I believe. It's time to take nouns and make them verbs. It's time to take dreams and make them actions. It's time to, to take what we've seen so we know what has been done and put that into what we're dreaming now to see what can be done in the future. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for the greatest days of this church. I don't pray just for this next year. I pray for long after I'm gone and forgotten, God. May this church forever be known as dreamers. Those who dreamed great dreams, but let it be known for more than just dreaming great dreams, but walking in obedience and generosity. This church, as all things in the kingdom, move. They move forward at the speed of obedience and faith. They move forward at the speed of sacrifice and generosity. And God, I pray that blessing. We've seen it in 2019, God. We've seen a blessing come. We've never seen it before. We've never seen a wave like this before. And I pray, God, that the wave would not decrease, but increase as we go into the future for the lost, for the mission, for the vision, for the dream. This is where we are going for your glory this year and the years to follow. This is our vision. This is our call. This is our anointing. This is our plan. This is the way we're going to get it done. These are the sacrifices we're willing to make, God. Let us write it down that we'll never forget it and put it in a basket, put it in a, on, a, on an altar, put it in someone's hands. Our statement of faith, I see it too. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And in two minutes, the service has gone over, but I think it's been a good one. So I, I am sorry, but I do not apologize. How's that? It's going to be done in two minutes. It's, it's going to be finished. All that God will have done, except for what's going to happen in the altars, will be complete. But in this room right now, if you're like, Jim, this is cool. It's fun to hear about the future and see the, the movie. That was, that was great. But I came here today because I'm not right with God. And I was hoping that by the time I left something, someone, somewhere, that it would happen. Like today would be a day where it wouldn't feel like I was in a crowd being sprayed with a floodlight, but it would be a conversation as if a laser were pointing directly at me. And now I believe is that moment. If you're here today and you're not right with God, God's not forgetting about you. The reason we're dreaming is for people just like me and just like you and just like my dad and just like my stepmom and just like my brothers and just like my sisters and just people that need God. If you're here and you came because you need God, I, I think God sent you to the right place and I'm so glad you're here. We're dreaming God's dreams and part of his dream is to spend eternity with you. It's hard to imagine, but again, God's given us the ability to see invisible things as we kind of use that ability to dream. But as God looked into the end of time and beyond, 
He saw clearly that there would be people that would not be there. They wouldn't make it. Their sin would keep them from eternity. Their disobedience, the hardness of their hearts, the things they said yes to, they should have said no to. The things they said no to that they should have said yes to. It's going to keep them from eternity with him. And when he saw that, now hear me please, when God saw that empty seat at his table, it broke his heart. And so he sent Jesus to be a sacrifice for that empty chair. And those who believe that what Jesus did, his sinless life, his death that covered and pays for all of our sins, his victorious resurrection from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, waiting for us, building and preparing a place for us, those who would trust that he's that good, that God loves that much, that the blood of Jesus is that powerful to cleanse our sins, those who would say, I trust that, I trust you, I believe you, it begins with faith. Those who would, all of a sudden, what God sees in eternity is not an empty chair, but you sitting in that chair, a son or a daughter, but it takes you to agree. It takes you to comply. It, it takes you to surrender. It takes you to say yes to his proposal of covenant relationships. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to simply ask this. If you're here today and you're not right with God, but you want to be, you do believe. You're, you're ready for this. You're tired of the old. You want the new. You, you want to know life and the creator and sustainer of that life. You're ready to give everything that you are, everything that you're not to God through the person of Jesus Christ. If that's you, I'm going to ask in a moment for you simply to lift a hand, and that's that act of faith. That's that noun of believing to that verb of action. It's a very simple thing, but it's a very important thing. Jim, I'm not right with God, but I want to be, and today I'm giving my life to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all over this room right now. Lift it up all over this room. Thank you. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, and God bless you. Wonderful. Father, I thank you for every uplifted hand that Jesus paid for with his blood. All over this room right now, if you're not right with God or if you are, let's create an atmosphere. Let's create an environment where people can encounter God without being self-conscious. So I'm going to ask everybody if you'd simply follow me in this very simple prayer. It's not necessarily like a magic prayer if you say it. It, you know, it isn't like Ten Hail Marys. and I, that, that wasn't an anti-Catholic statement. It was just, I, I, I want to give you sincere words from my heart. And if my heart echoes your heart, then repeat the words. But if not, remember, you don't need my words. God can hear your thoughts. God can hear your heart. Well, let's say this together just to encourage those that might enjoy uh, an atmosphere of just a little nudge in that direction. All over this room, say this with me right now. Jesus, I'm so glad that you love me, that you died for me, that you rose from the dead for me. I trust you and only you. I can't save myself. And you are my savior. From this day forward, I belong to you. You belong to me with all my heart. I love you back. And I'll see you soon. Would you stand to your feet, please, all over this room? God bless you. God bless you. What a wonderful morning. Um, altar workers are coming forward for any other prayer needs that exist. We're going to start the Next Steps class for those that want to know more about the church. We're supposed to start at 15 minutes after the service started, but the service ended 20 minutes late. So if you're going to that, you're late. Go get your kids. Go to the class as quickly as possible. Out those doors, turn to the left, youth room. They're waiting for you. They're ready for you. In the meantime, God bless you. Live long and prosper. 2020 is going to be a great year.
going to be a great year. Somebody say amen. Come on. It's going to be a great year. Hug your neighbor. Say it's good to see you. You're going to lose weight this year. I can just feel it.